You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous Comedy Cellar, coming at you on Raw Dog XM99 and at the Riotcast Podcast Network. This is a special bonus episode. This is Dan Natterman, normally the co-host with Noam Dorman, but this is a bonus episode. Noam's not here. He might stop by. But we have Periel with us. Periel never misses a Live from the Table broadcast. We have Dove Davidoff. Yes, old sir. friend of the podcast, friend of the, friend old friend of, of mine, old friend of the podcast. Friend of the cast. How are you, everybody? This is a, a special bonus episode, as I've said, where we're going to be a little less, perhaps, politically oriented than we might be when Noam's involved, and perhaps a little yeah. more comedy oriented. We'll see how it goes. Dove, it's been a while since I've seen you. I've spoken to you on the telephone. Yes, that's correct. Are you, where, I don't recognize uh, the background. Uh, is no. that your home in Jersey or somewhere else? Oh, no, I, I'm in the middle, I'm in the middle of a, a, you know, a closing debacle on my home in Jersey. I won't bore anybody with the details, but it's, um, uh, we should close later this week, but there was some plumbing issues. Somebody, <laughs> um, but I had to rent a place in the meanwhile, you know, and ironically, it's more expensive to rent a place out here than it is in the middle of Manhattan right now, which is the first time in my lifetime that's the case. And it's, um, you know, because if you're right outside the city and there's some trees around, the, whatever moneyed exodus took place from the Upper East Side, the Upper West Side, and the West Village is looking for places in Westchester and, and you know, Jersey in, in Montclair area, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, I'm, in, I'm above a dentist office, but I'm in a nice neighborhood. I walk yes. through a dentist. Yeah. A uh, common, a waiting area in order to get up to the third floor of my pre-war one-bedroom apartment. I got a wife and a child. Things are not good with my wife. You You're living in a one-bedroom place with a wife and a child? I am. I am. There's this little side area where I sleep. I don't sleep with the wife, you understand. It's been <laughs> some time now. It's not my thing. It's not my thing. Uh, so you're in the midst of some sort of separation? Oh, well, you know, I, look, we're, we're not super clear on how it's going to break down, but <laughs> suffice to say, uh, before I get into it, in this, on this and get myself in more hot water than I already uh, live in the middle of, I'm going to, um, you, you jumped off the podcast last week. Now, what's going on with that? Well, MIA. We're going to get to that, but I wanted to finish, unless you don't feel like talking about well, it. Fine. I can talk about it. I can talk about I it. I can you certainly understand why you might not. We have nothing in common. You understand? She's not a bad person. I met her. Perfect bone structure. Quiet. I painted a personality on that that I could get along with. Turns out I don't get along with her. You can have 10 years of your life go by like that, baby. That's how wild it all is. And that's why the Yiddish proverb is, man plans, God laughs. Don't you get it? And how'd you get that background? Uh, I got it. Somebody sent it to me. I did a, I did a Zoom boy. show. I did a that Zoom show background. If you're listening via the radio, I list, the background says the quarantine cellar. The that's quarantine cellar. That is good. It is fine. Well, I did a Zoom show for a synagogue in Long Island, and they, they made this background for me. They thought it'd be fun. Yes. Uh, and so that's how I got the background. And I've been using it much like I have one suit and I use it for all occasions. I have this background. I use Madness. it for all occasions. Uh, I so would just that's say not like an official, um, that, it's not official artwork. That was How are you, Pariel? I'm, I'm doing well. I, you, I can't, you look great. You look like tan and healthy and like, a yeah, I'm not, I'm, I, I mean, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling that well. I would just say before we get, get on to the topic that you had brought up was as far as your wife is concerned. Sure, yeah. Um, look, I don't live there and I don't know your wife well. Uh, but I would say that I think you'd be hard pressed to find a better mommy for your child. It's a tremendous maternal operation. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that has your back to the extent that she does. I, I absolutely disagree with you, okay. but I understand that you have the right to be wrong. Well, that's my perception, but it's very limited. I only see you when it's I see you. It's very limited, yeah. That's the operative <laughs> term, is limited. 
And I will miss her because she has been a part of my life. When somebody's your friend's wife, they're part of your life too. So yes, 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 certainly on some level. And I don't see why that necessarily needs to change. We're going to be co-parenting. She'll still be part of my life and, and me of hers. Okay, so I'll still, you know, maybe, I don't know if, you know, you'd be opposed to her and I dating in any in any. I, I not only would be opposed, I encourage you I, I, in, in the most vociferous way I can. You guys belong together. You deserve each other. <laughs> Well, let's talk about what you had brought up uh, on, uh, when was it, Periel? The la- was it, um, it was Saturday, Saturday, night? Saturday night. Saturday night, we were doing a podcast. It was me, Ian Fidans, who is a comedy seller regular. And if you don't know Ian, he looks like every character from every 1970s sitcom. He has a mustache. Welcome back, Welcome back Carter. He looks a bit like Gabe Kaplan, but he could also be... Um, any other number of characters from that era. But uh, so we were doing a podcast and we were, it was about a podcast, normally an hour and an hour and a half. We were at about an hour 40. And I just felt like it was very incoherent. We were just talking about every, no, no two, no two sentences seemed to be in the same topic. But then the participants were you and Ian and Noam. And, and this guy, Michael Moynihan, who's a, and oh, I forgot, Periel. And it was a, it was a, you he's a, Vice, a writer from Vice. Moynihan from Vice? The yeah. Guy? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I had the unfortunate experience of, of, of I didn't, you know, I didn't actually leave, but, but um, um, my experience of listening to Michael Moynihan and Noam get, get into things was, you know, I mean, it was like listening to Dershowitz hold forth on some specific canon of, uh, you know, Western law. I mean, it was so specific and at rapid pace. I couldn't find an area within which to jump in that didn't feel utterly manufactured. And like I was, uh, you know, I mean, you don't want to leave. Hey, that's with- right. Dove was on the last episode. Oh, okay. With the Moynihan. Uh, well, this wasn't a quite as, you know, it's just a lot of it was, for everything hit me at once. All of a sudden, at about, at about eight, 35 Eastern Standard Time on Saturday, it all hit me. Uh, I'm not getting a word in. Right. Uh, I'm aging. There is no God. (laughs) And I don't find this interesting. And it all hit me at one time. And and I I was about to make a point. They were talking about whether you should believe, whether you believed, um, what's her name? The woman that's accusing Biden, Tara Reid. Reid, yeah. And, and, uh, Moynihan said he didn't believe Tara Reid. Oh, wow. And I wanted to bring up a philosophical point, or I don't know if you'd call it philosophical, but I, I, was, I kept trying to say at least four times I tried to say, I tried to bring up the point, what do we mean when we say we believe somebody or we don't believe somebody? What is it to believe somebody? We're not, you know, if you said to me, you know, uh, you and, you and, you and, uh, I don't know, you, you, you know, it's all, it's all. I, I, I mean, you mean, you mean... Uh, I mean, we don't ever believe somebody 100% because nothing I is... Believe, I believe, I, I think the context within which he said it is that he feels as though he can or can't belief rely on the, the language and pictures being... Right. But does that mean that he's 100% convinced with metaphysical certitude that she is lying? Or does that mean he's 90% convinced? When What's the say, difference? It's not a philosophical it's, argument. It's I, an I, argument about I don't know what belief. somebody means when they say they don't believe somebody. I don't know what that means necessarily. Because I've never been in a situation where I was 100% convinced either way of what somebody tells me. I think you have been in a situation where you very are. seldom, very seldom. Yeah. Okay. But, seldom. Um, yeah. No. No. I, I think you're, it's a, an excellent point you bring up. But that point would be, you know, it would the context would would be that the nuance became so important that you had to determine to what degree you believe the person, as opposed to just accepting the idea that, for instance, the um, who was the accuser for the last Supreme Court? You know, Kavanaugh, right? I got the sense that from her perspective, you know, she was a credible, uh, uh, that, that she was telling her truth and that I don't, I don't know 100% the degree to which it happened precisely like she said it happened. But, uh, you know, I have no reason not to believe the broad stroke right okay. story. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, the point is, is that was a point that I was trying to make a few times and was never, never able to get it in, you know, never able to <laughs> stick it right in nice and easy yeah. as yeah. I do. And I just... It all hit me, and I just left. And and part of me thought, you know what? My leaving is actually 
perhaps if it precipitates a conversation that's interesting, I will have done the podcast a favor. I felt on some level that the best thing I could do for this podcast yes. is to leave because now they got something to talk about that's a little bit different, a little bit interesting, a little bit specific, yes. not the same thing that, that basically, I, I don't recall anything being brought up on that episode that hadn't been brought up before either by us or by somebody else. That's my take on it. Periel, you were there. You say what? We have Periel with us from Easton, Pennsylvania. Periel, you say what? Um... So, I said, well, so then you, after Noam got very concerned, like, what happened to Dan? And I could tell you were upset, and you were annoyed, and I was also like, what the fuck? Like, you don't just get to, like, leave your own podcast in the middle, because you're annoyed. But though now, you know, now that you've articulated to me that it all hit you at once, um, you know, I've got some empathy. Oh, hit me, the lack of, the lack of, of meaning in the universe. Fair enough. I accept that. And also, I love you. And so lack I'm of coherence concerned. What's that? And so Noam was like, well, where did Dan go? And I think I said, well, I think he got frustrated because he was trying to say something and everybody kept cutting him off. And no, to which Noam said, and he, he said a few times that he felt bad and he was worried about you and he couldn't concentrate because now he was thinking about where's Dan. And then he said, but I think I was in the middle of a sentence and Dan interrupted me. I'm going to have to go back and look at the tape. And I said, are you out of your fucking mind? Is that really the response you have? Because you could also just say, oh, I'm sorry. Like maybe we hurt his feelings a little bit. Not I'm going to go back and roll the tape. Right, yeah. And he, well, said he also he did that to Juanita the, the other day because they got into an argument. Pardon? Anyway, look. Um, Although I you're not I feel, bad about, I feel bad about it too, to be honest with you. Um, I tend to do these things once in about once every two years or so. I tend to storm off. Fair enough. Uh, either, well, uh, either, either in, not really storm off necessarily, but blow up. It happens every couple of years. You know, it all builds up. It builds up like a, like a fault, like the San Andreas fault. You know, it takes a while for the pressure, the seismic pressure to build up. And then there's, there's an earthquake because- Listen, I didn't see, I didn't see the specific context, but I know as a general sort of idea and as it relates to Dan, I think it's not only forgivable, but perhaps there is a net positive. I like the idea of Dan experiencing something uh, to the degree that he walks off his own show. I mean, there's something really interesting about somebody that's just, you know, you got Gnome and there's Moynihan. I mean, two political animals. I mean, they can go into, I mean, I'm sure all kinds of esoteria was brought up between those two. And Dan said, I can't take this anymore. Either the rhythm or some of the aspects of the patter and uh and and he disappeared i mean i think that's um it's endearing it's certainly forgivable um i excuse me i do think that there's something about well first of all you know i think dan has said on numerous occasions that when we get that into the weeds with the political stuff he feels like it's a little bit much which i can understand and appreciate but I also think that the nature of the podcast is when you let it run endlessly. And, and to be fair, we didn't structure that episode as much as we structure some others. You can't just let it go on and on and on. Like, this isn't just like a free-for-all. And so maybe the onus was on me a little bit for not... Um, it's very difficult. Well, if I can find a Carriel, I'm certainly not opposed to it, though I don't know that in this case it's merited. What, to just drone on for hours? I blame on you, I'm saying. Oh, I'm no. Saying it's the not- onus was on you, and I'm happy to blame you. I just don't know that <laughs> in this particular case. So, so, again, I'm not opposed to it uh, as a general well, matter. I think that I should say, like, we have to call it at an hour, and we do need a structure. And unless something, you know, unbelievable comes up, we got to stick to the talking points. Did he and Five Dance have anything to say? I mean, was oh, it just sort of rapid fire? The dance, the dance was hand and gnome? No, the, dance was, the dance was fine. I, you know, it was fine. Was, I didn't ask him. It was fine. I, could he was he was he getting involved in the conversation? Was he able to jump in at yes. points, or was it mostly Moynihan and Dwayne? No, tearing no. into a George Stephanopoulos slash Chris Wallace like discourse about Barry Goldwater's campaign in nineteen 1960- sixty. <laughs> All right. 
I was, um, I was for the first time, it's been two months since we've been locked down, and I left New York City yesterday for the very first time. I rented a car and I visited my, my parents in Connecticut. You're so good, Dan. That was so sweet of well, you. Well, that's so sweet. Come on. It yeah. is. It's, it is. I don't know that that's sweet. Have, I, you, have you ventured out, Perrier? I am in Westchester. I left in the end of March. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm actually, well, I'd like to hear Dan. First of all, it's sweet. It's sweet unless I contaminated the whole damn uh, apartment complex they live in, and then it won't be so sweet. Yeah, Did you go so inside? Sweet. No, they wouldn't let me inside, but I, I, we, we took a drive. They wanted to take a drive. My mother wanted to take a drive. Now, I was a little bit hesitant to go in a car because it's confined space. Yeah. I left the door open and we all wore masks and I'm hoping that that was, and I probably don't have it. I mean, if they have it and I get it, it's not likely to be a tragedy, but if I have it and they get it, it's another story. But um, I wore a mask and they wore a mask and, we, and I opened the window of the car for ventilation and I assume that that's probably uh, adequate, even assuming I had it, which I probably don't. So. I'm not overly worried, though I was somewhat concerned. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it was just not, I haven't been, I haven't driven in two months. I haven't been in the car. I haven't been outside New York. So it was nice to, you know, it was just, it was nice to just kind of be on the open road. Yeah. With the radio on. Um, so, you know, that was the first time I've been, I know the Dove's done some traveling, I believe. Listen, I, you know, I mean, after I was quarantined for a while, I went to see my mother. My mother's in her 70s. She has HIV, I mean, she, she's HIV positive. I mean, she would certainly represent an at-risk demographic. And so you got to be careful. And I mean, at some point, you know, as the curve begins to flatten a bit, we know a little bit more about this. You make a judgment call. Look, you know, I mean, you, you, you cross the street, you leave the house, an air conditioner could fall in your head. I mean, at what point do you think the probability is low enough that you continue on and make some contact while I taking think, precautions? Where is your mom? Uh, my mother was staying with my brother in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. He's got 26 acres up there, but now she's staying with a friend. And I, I don't, um, I don't know. This is a strange, you know, all of the distance. I was listening to a doctor making an argument. Uh, you know, if you listen to some conservative pundit, you hear one thing and then, you know, on the other side. But he said, if you live in California, for instance, where they've closed recreational beach use for the next, you know, through July, from what I understand, um, he said, you have a 0.03% chance of dying of, uh, you know, COVID-19 in the state of California. And and of that, the subset that's dying, you know, uh, you know, the, the biggest percentage of that tiny percentage are, you know, old and at risk. And um, basically, he was making the argument that, you know, at some point you make a judgment call and you, you, you try to... You I also find that the more this goes on, the more I'm willing to take chances because the more I feel like I haven't gotten it. So, for example, it's, you know, if I, if I touch my face, the first time I touched my face outside, yes, I was all concerned. And then I didn't get it. And now, and the next thing you know, I'm, I'm you know, touching my face and not worried about it. It's little by little. You know, um, well, I mean, there's no way we know what the rollout's going to look like at this point. If you've been to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or, or, or a takeout, you know, restaurant, I mean, we know what it looks like. It's just we're going to be wearing masks for a while and we're going to be social distancing. And, um, you know, in restaurants that open back up, we don't know whether it's going to be 50 percent room capacity at some point or whether it's 25 percent. But it's not just jumping back into whatever form, you know. There, there is a, certainly a new I still stare at women, even with the mask on. I uh, had an experience outside. You, you can still tell pretty with the mask. I was, I was driving by a urgent care facility. You know, Manhattan is the middle. I mean, it's, it's New York is the epicenter. If you're outside of New York, I mean, everybody knows that. But she had tight pants on and uh, uh, li likely a Puerto Rican vintage. And um, she had a mask. And... Um, and I thought to myself, uh, I don't know why she's online. If she did have COVID and was immediately willing, would I, would I engage from behind? <laughs> and, I, and, and I thought, I, thought uh, I didn't have an answer. <laughs> but I wasn't able to just say no. I mean, to the fantasy. I wasn't able to just My say no. My answer would be no because I don't, you know, I don't feel like getting sick. But um, I don't feel like getting sick either. That's what made it be an interesting consideration. That's why he was going to do it from behind, so he doesn't get Yeah, wrong. from behind, like a gentleman. What am I, an animal like you? What do you think, I'm, I'm making out with the broad? I put it in from behind, no eye contact, <laughs> just like I would, just like I would anybody else under any other occasion.
Okay, well, fair enough. I guess that's a relatively low-risk way of doing it. Show low, show low, from oh, behind. You could turn around and sneeze, theoretically. It's what? You wearing a mask. I, I guess you'd be wearing a mask during this whole thing. I think from behind with a mask is probably... Yeah. But you well, have to wear a condom. Absolutely, you wear a condom, you put on a mask, and I don't mean just the little, you know, the mask that they wear on the sidewalk. I mean a full Halloween mask, <laughs> like a wolf man, you know? And then you tear in, and then you walk away, and nobody's the wiser. There's no COVID-19. So have you been, like, out? I mean, it sounds like Dan and I have been, like, relatively stationary. It sounds like yeah. you've really been, like, out and about gallivanting. But Dove's in Ooh. the suburbs. No, no, no. I was, you know, in Montclair, where I'm at, it's a, it's a lot like um, like some part of Westchester. You know, it, it's, it's, there's enough, there's, there are these centralized little districts in these towns, you know, like whether it's um, any of these places, a centralized shopping district. And then outside of that, there are houses and trees. You're far from the middle of nowhere. Montclair is a small city, but um, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't been totally confined in an apartment, certainly for the first month. You know, when I was living in that private community, it was really just me inside the house, inside of a private park. So, um, but and now... when did you leave that? That was the house that you left? That was the house I was selling. And so they What's finally... The binging, by the way, it's a binging noise we have to address. I, I apologize for that. Uh, you know, perhaps one of the texts that came in, I think is interesting to, to read in the context of ever, everything that's happening. And uh, this is written by the, uh, the great Andy Levine. He, he was a distressed debt sure he was, yeah, he sure. was analyst. Um, uh, he worked for Cantor Fitzgerald right after 9-11, right after the towers went down. Um, but he said, as it relates to the market going north today, stock market, he said, you know, if you want to know what the end of the world looks like, it's like this. Bread lines a mile long, unemployment off the charts, misery index at multi-decade highs, kleptocracy in full power, and stock markets soaring as if it's 1928. And then he wrote The American Experience, 1776, the experiment rather, 1776 to 2020. Um, he's basically predicting some you know, major calamity, but... Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't uh, agree with that, but... Um, I'm not saying he isn't hyperbolic, but there is a fascinating disconnect between when you look at the stock market, you know, headed, headed straight up, uh, and uh, people, and like you mentioned, the idea of bread lines and this enormous disparity between people's experience, it can't be good. I mean, this is, these, the, those are the preconditions for, for uh, the Weimar Republic, in, in, in German, is the well, I don't know. I just read an article that Noam sent me today about uh, you know how how um, a depression is not inevitable if we handle this properly. Right. No. No. That's right. A recession, but not a depression if it's yes. properly managed. Yeah. 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 No. I I I, I agree. But there are certainly some. Go ahead, Perry. So you were in the city looking at real estate. I was. Yes. I put on a mask. Ironic. It's it's so strange. You know. It's like. I, uh, I I speak to some young, uh, you know, rental uh, agent, uh, w female. But they're all gay or female in that business, it seems to me. Well, of course. I, I mean, I, I, listen, if you want to be any good at it. Um, no, no, you, you've got other people. One of my guys in Brooklyn that, 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 that I've worked with. Anyway, the point being, she said to me, she goes, okay, well, you can come see the apartment. Just make sure you wear gloves and a mask. And I thought, that, <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, to me, a woman that you've only spoken to on the phone while wearing gloves and a mask in a dark New York City tenement. I mean, it's a hell of a, a situation that, that necessitates that. Um, but yeah, I've been looking at apartments, yeah. And I've never known a straight male real estate agent, but at least in Manhattan, I suppose they exist. Um, well, yeah, traditionally it's not for more them. Traditionally, it's, been, it's traditionally more of a woman, gay guy yeah. business, I think. Unless you're talking about commercial real estate, then it's an entirely different, different consideration. I'm talking about resident. I'm talking about like I understand. You know, when we have the schools are wonderful. Yeah, you're talking about the the, yeah. the Vanna. The, you're talking about a a salesperson. You know, it's Vanna White. Well, I'm talking about somebody that's into talking about neighborhoods, yes, and yeah, southern yeah. exposure, and yes, um, yes, 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 so yes, much yes. light, you have wonderful natural light. Just straight guys don't think in terms of natural light. The association is female and homosexual. Yeah, the dark. That's the case. Yes. Um, 
you know, I, I guess we're not supposed to say that in this day and age, but that certainly is the initial association. We're not saying anything bad. We're simply saying, you know. Oh, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's certain people. Yes, of course, but and it could be. Nothing wrong with that. Like, for example, if you, if you want to get a diamond cut, you, you don't go to an Irishman. You know. You, <laughs> that's that's you correct. Want to, you want to get a. Yeah, no, no, real, a real, a real, you know, one of the Lord's people. Yeah, of course, a chosen person. You go see a chosen person. Yes. And you get a, you get a nice, you get a nice cut. Uh, you, you get a, you get a COVID nineteen too, because they can't separate. Well, you wear a mask. You should be okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what what's the, what's going on with the real estate, Dub. I mean, I. You know, I, there's a number of considerations, and I don't know how deep into the weeds to get and how interesting it would be to, you know, the average I mean, I think, it's, I think it's fast. I mean, I'm in Westchester. Yeah. I am like a born and raised and bred New Yorker. Right. Um, right. I can't imagine what the, I mean, it's like heartbreaking what's yes. going on in the city right now. And like, yeah. I know it's going to come Heartbreaking back. precisely? What? What, what? what in particular do you find heartbreaking? <laughs> That um, all of, I mean, in large part, all of the things that make New York City, you know, I hate to say the greatest city in the world because it's just fucking ridiculous, but um, so dynamic, wonderful and earth shatteringly brilliant and unique. Um, are, it's It's just Crystal all things that right I never now. do anyway, I should mention. Like what? Things, all things that I never do anyway. I, most New Yorkers That's don't do not anything. True. I it, never go to Broadway. I never go to the museums. Um, I didn't. I but yeah, but still, but you, but you could. Well, yes, I could. I and do. You could take the subway, right? Huh? And you go out to eat wherever you want at any moment. That's right. That's a good thing. Yes. Um. This animal wears a backwards hat. You think he buys... I have to wear a hat because my hair is, you know, which is something I was... You seem to have... I guess you just buzz it, right? With a... Wait, let's get to the New York part. And yes, you buzz the goddamn hair as opposed to looking like a homeless person with a backwards uh, ball cap on like a lunatic. What are you, a 13-year-old Puerto Rican kid? <laughs> well, given the times that we're living in, I would think you'd be a little bit easier on me in terms of my... Now, listen, you look good. I'll tell you that. You look good. Look at that hair. His hair. Take your hat off for a second. Look at that full head of hair. Oh, I have a lot oh, of hair. That's all I... That's uh, not, it's not all I have, but it's a right. lot. Of, one thing I do have is a full head of hair. Now, they say God will never give you anything. God only gives you what you can handle, and uh, perhaps that's the reason I have a full head of hair, because I don't know that I could handle being bald, to be quite honest with you. Well, God clearly doesn't just give you what you can handle. I mean, given all the suicide. I mean, you right. know... You're Given right. all the people that choose to, you know, I mean, right. But all the people that say, yeah, the, the people that commit suicide aren't a, aren't around to say God only gives you what you can handle. That's right. Dude, God only gives the people that, that says that. Right, right. So God only gives the people that don't commit suicide what they can handle. Right. It's like the people that say, you know, in the seventies we didn't wear seatbelts and we're fine. Yes. Except yes, for yes. the people that are all dead from not wearing their seatbelts in the seventies. Right. We're not around to post memes like we had a great time in the seventies. No seatbelts. We stayed out on the neighbors. <laughs> Vans without, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. No. They didn't. So yes, God sometimes gives people more than they can handle. In my case, so far, he's been knock on wood. He's yeah. been reasonably. Um, yeah, I don't know how much to tribute to our Lord and Savior. How much to tribute to your resilience and your ability to walk around with a hat and look ridiculous while while you grow hair out like you you like you fell out of a, a, a bass guitar shack in Woodstock, New York. Listen. What we the interesting thing about New York that Periel was talking about was that the city has just not just the cultural aspects of that. You're better off going backwards. God damn, that's long. I mean, it's almost like you've been shut in for longer than two months. Um, well, I started off, you know, wherever I was when I started off. Probably needed a haircut when I started. I was about to. I was calling Reagan Baker, you know, uh, Roy Ro Roy yeah. girlfriend who cuts my hair. Yeah, she's a, she has a haircutting. You know. Uh, Reagan, uh, she's Rory uh, Albany's girlfriend. She has a haircutting salon, and I get. But anyway, I was probably about to call her, and then we got shut in, and that was. Yeah, no, you got to adapt and overcome. I mean, how long are you going to let that get? If Cuomo doesn't allow barbershops to open, at some point, I'll just do what you did, and I'll just buzz it.
Like a man, you take out a buzzer. You go get a buzzer at CVS and you tear it down like a gentleman. My girlfriend shaved her. She did the same thing. Yeah. And she has like yeah. a three-year-old so and her yeah. husband and they just all buzzed all their hair up. They look yeah. great. That and might happen. To go on. So As it relates to coming to New get York Ferriel. One of the considerations. Clipper in my future. The Clippers in your future. One of the considerations was... Um, um, do you take advantage of sort of lease, lease numbers that have fallen or even to buy a place? I mean, things have fallen in terms of value in the near term. Now, at some point, things are going to come back. And so New York is relative to what it's always been. There is a depressing aspect to this. I think what you were referring to in terms of the dynamism of the city, and Jackie Mason always had that thing about New York, but people would go, you know, I live in New York. I mean, we've got culture, we've got the ballet. And Jackie Mason said, well, did you go to the ballet? And the guy's like, I don't go to the ballet. I mean, but you got a ballet. I mean, that whole, that whole routine. Well, that's like what I was alluding to. Yeah, that's what you were, you were alluding to. But I think the part that everybody feels, whether or not you ever go to a ballet, is there is a kind of dynamism, the kind of person that's drawn to the street in New York. And that energy is why what it's the screening process that prevents some of the morons that end up in LA. If you've got big fake tits and you love bleaching your hair and walking around on three inch pumps, you're screened out of New York. You can't live like that. Tits aren't currency in New York in that same way. And so it screens out so many jerk offs because if you don't have that kind of experience of a city, why would you live in a, a little box for three grand a month? And so there is a dynamism and, that dynamism is removed on some level when suddenly you leave the house and you can't go into a restaurant. New York's got the greatest food in the world. And, or you can get some takeout, but yeah, that's not the same experience. You don't want to walk up next to, you want to sit. It's a cafe kind of life. And so all of the things that make New York, New York are kind of removed to some degree. And that is sad. It's also why prices have dropped. And then the argument is just financial. It's whether or not you come in now, before things start to return, uh, you want to buy on bad news, sell on good uh, overall in terms of the broad strokes. So that's the professional um, take is buy, if you can buy something in New York right now. Well, I, I think if you want to be there long term, that being said, I don't think New York is going up anytime soon. And if we want to get into an actual technical analysis, the decentralization of these business districts are going to trickle down. I'm a landlord and I'm, 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 I'm developing in Brooklyn and I don't feel good. I feel okay about my project because of my margins. But if you own an office building or if you think that, I mean, the one thing this pandemic has proven uh, by way of, you know, Jamie Dimon and JP Morgan and, and a, a number of other software guys is just that you never could have experimented with Zoom or remote work at, from home to, on this scale. And what they learned was um, you can do it. You can run businesses while not being in a centralized office district, which means you can reduce OPEX, operating expenditure in a business, by a significant percentage, not renting huge lofts or office space in a place like Manhattan. And then, like, yes, there are diehard city people that still want to be in New York, and I'm one of them. But I would imagine a lot of people that work in finance on the Upper East Side would just as be just as happy to live in Connecticut. A lot of them, they're working to get out of New York. And those people, if they can start to work from home, and many of them can now, um, I don't think they're coming back. And I don't think with the same drive in order to be there, which will reduce pressure on pricing and things will come down a little bit. Now, that, that's, that's a good lead into what I want to discuss with regard sure. to comedy remote comedy which is obviously i mean and i can't imagine that remote comedy will ever replace live comedy however there has been some remote comedy i've done some shows that i've talked about in other episodes via zoom um and a lot of people are doing that sort of thing i wonder dove if you've done any zoom shows no you know uh, the comedy juice uh, somebody asked me and it was like a month ago and i was just not i didn't have my head in the game i i, I just said no no not not at this point but but I would. I mean, how do you do it? You walk around in front of your computer. How do you catch the like I'm doing right now in front of my computer. I did a show with this very background that I had these bricks in the back. Okay, okay. So I like it. It's on Zoom. They have like, on Zoom, you can do it where you have hundreds of people on. 
Did you find that there were parts of your act that like things were a little bit more choppy because the transitions were not, you know, practiced? Sometimes. Well, oh, because I'm out of practice. Yes. Yeah, forced. That, that, but also you don't have the laughter. What happens is, is oh, because right. everybody's at home, since everyone's at home, they, they had their kids might come in. You got to assume you're killing. You have to assume you're killing rhythmically. You have to turn everybody's mic on mute because otherwise you'll hear kids. You'll hear kids coming in, Mommy, what are you doing? Dogs barking, whatever. Yes. But they mute everybody. I mean, we mute everybody. You unmute a few people maybe that you're like, okay, he's home alone with no pets and no kids. So we know him. So we'll unmute him and we'll unmute a few other people that we can kind of vet them to know that they're not going to have background noise and this way at least a few people are laughing and uh so you get that rhythm going and also another thing is is also i've noticed that you tell a joke and there's a delay you know in terms of when you tell it versus when they hear it so there's that slight delay which is not so you know there's it's not anywhere near the same as being you um, make adjustments it's like doing a a show in amsterdam they speak english but you don't want to just you don't want to go with the same rhythm you want to use your hands a little bit more and leave space for them to kind of half german laugh at things without (laughs) actually laughing out loud it's like working for the dutch it's 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 imperfect in a lot of ways but what i've only done a few of them but, and I've also produced a couple of them. It seems that the audience is incredibly grateful to be there yeah. and is very forgiving of the technology. Yes. yes. Uh, you know, I, this is really interesting because I had a teledoc appointment. My son was running a fever. And I, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was I, I don't know that the word rewarding is, is, but the experience of doing it was far better than I thought it would have been. I would have thought being in person would be significantly more superior, kind of like, it wasn't. I mean, well, you what, know. What the doctor, I mean, he can diagnose the kid. He couldn't. Um, I guess I'm not saying that there aren't reasons. No, no, I'm not saying that physical proximity won't, isn't a priority under certain conditional experiences. But you don't necessarily you know, half the time you're just saying, look, he feels this, he feels that. And she looks at him through the computer and she's like, is he doing this, 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 and this, which is what they do in a doctor's office. And then instead of them giving, taking his temperature, you take his temperature. It's very real. Like it, it just, it furthers the idea that there is a remote facility that we no longer have to be in large centralized districts anymore. And so, you know, but as it relates to comedy, it's like, you know, yeah. I, mean, I don't think this will ever in any way substitute for live comedy. But I do think that there might be, if I can make a prediction, I think there might be a bigger market for lectures via Zoom. So for example, yeah. if I'm say I'm a famous person, say I'm whoever I am, yeah, you know, I'm Dershowitz and I want to give an evening with Alan Dershowitz yes. via Zoom and everybody pays a hundred dollars, whomever it is, you know. Yeah, they do that on okay. online courses yeah, they do that on online courses now. Yeah, okay. So I, I think that those kinds of things might, be, because of this, they might become more accepted and become a bigger market. I couldn't that agree. I could not agree more. That's absolutely right. You can scale the experience. The business makes sense. You don't have to fly the person in and out. It's more cost effective, and you get the same lecture experience in theory. Right, a lecture. Now, comedy is not, comedy requires, I I think a certain energy that is, is first of all, comedy is an evening out. Comedy is a drinking. Comedy is, is eating. That's comedy is social. Absolutely. You're not just going to replace. It's not the same as a lecture. In that yeah, and it's also the laughter, the, the art of. Yeah, and the contagiousness of laughter. Which yes, is, the contagiousness of laughter. That's, ex- that's exactly. But a dry lecture about, you know, the First Amendment or, uh, you know, I just, you know, uh, a, a more. Uh, academic discussion you wouldn't need those things don't apply and it might become but but the the watching comedy in close pro i mean there's a reason why stand-up is performed the way in which it's performed right that's right that's right and by the way if you've ever done stand-up sometimes you'll do a corporate parallel like when you see comedy at the cellar that's the way it's supposed to be done if you go to a corporate they'll hire you you don't know whether or not there's a 50 people in a room that seats 400 
you can have a set. It doesn't matter how good the, the material is. If the people are disparately sat in a room full of 400, you just realize there's a psychological, the, the ability to get people to laugh is contingent yeah. upon people being next to one another. Yeah. You know, if you've ever watched a comedy with a friend as opposed to alone, it doesn't mean it wasn't funny. It just means you don't have the same experience, you know, out loud. We're social animals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Comedy, this comedy. is interesting. Okay, go ahead. The, the author, Michelle Huelbeck, I read a book called The Possibility of an Island. Great that guy, I love him. He's a fascinating guy. But, um, and it was all about in the future, we'll be able to produce, and I was thinking about dating in the pandemic area, we'll be able to produce um, uh, children in labs. And in this story, the narrative was, our genitals began to atrophy because we no longer needed proximity to one another to procreate. And it was all of this sort of, it was danger in leaving these bubbles. And I just, there was a lot of crossover, you know, between that, that dystopian fantasy and the way New York feels right now. Uh, Welbeck, uh, I have read some Welbeck. He, he's a French writer, so I read him in the original French. Oh. Wow, that is really fancy. Cool. I would have loved to do that. Getting, uh, you know, uh, but I don't know if I read the possibility. I read, uh, I, I might have read, read it years ago. I'm and I don't trying know. to think of what the book that I was obsessed with that he wrote. Uh, the Elementary Particles he wrote. He wrote The Possibility of an Island, and he wrote one, uh, The Map and the Territory. I, I, I've read... Uh, Did he write Road Dog, or was that you? I wrote Road Dog, but I wrote it in the original French. <laughs> yeah, you can, by the way, you can buy Road Dog. Is it still selling? Dev wrote a book a few years ago called yeah. Road Dog. Yes. Yeah, really? I didn't know that. I'm going to read that. Um, yes. Whatever. I read whatever. That w I read a few of them, but the book that I was thinking about by Welbeck is okay. called yeah. Whatever. Yeah. By the way, did Jessica uh, want to uh, stop in or she's being shy? She's being uh, shy. She, she has a, she's always been shy, but yeah, I can, I can get it to, to stop in. Well, I thought it might be interesting to get her to stop in. Yes, hold, like on, hold on, hold on. Why not do it in a way that can... Uh, Kill time on the podcast. Well, <laughs> I don't really think we want to be quote unquote. I mean, if that if well, that's I say it tongue in cheek, Perry. I don't mean kill time so much as 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 um, you know uh, whatever. Anyway, um, yes. Uh, and did you did you read Dub's book? I don't want that it's between us. I don't want to bring it up. Well, I mean, it makes me feel a little bit better because you haven't read my book. No, but we're going to be discussing it on Wednesday. And Wednesday, by the way, if a special treat, we have Bernie Fabricant coming on, who's a friend of Noam's, who's read Periel's book, On My Knees. I wonder if we should have Steve Fabricant join him. Well, I, I, we could, but I don't think Steve read the book. But um, this book is about Periel's sexual awakening. No, it's not. It's not? It's called On My Knees. <laughs> you have to familiarize yourself with the material. I mean, you can't just make assumptions. Well, I, I certainly, well, no, I certainly can. You can correct me. <laughs> I mean, a book that's called On Your Knees, I would imagine there's a lot of sexuality in that book. There's, there is, there's some sex stuff for sure. Although I haven't read it in a long time, so. You've got a terminal shine. It's not coming in. Okay, that's understandable, especially given the situation. It's not understandable. Okay, well, either way. Well, um, it, it, I mean, first of all, Look, my husband doesn't like it when I do that to him either. I try to like pull him, and you know, he just, he doesn't, you know, he's not into it. He doesn't want talking about, we were talking about, Perry has a book also, and on Wednesday, Dove, Bernie Fabricant, you know Steve Fabricant, outside Steve, his brother yeah. read Perry L's book. It's called On My Knees. Oh. So, yeah, oh, right, right. I know, I, I got such a stack. I, I have to read that. Let me. I know, I'm, I'm going to read yours too. Um, Noam and Dan still haven't read it, by the way, uh, mine, mine. mine. This is what I wanted to tell you. I wasn't going to share this publicly, but in the interest of um, the podcast, and since we're talking about Zoom doctors, I um, also had a Zoom doctor appointment with a proctologist because I had a hemorrhoid. Oh, wow. Well, this is too much information. I'm going to have to cut this off right now. <laughs> Damn, wait, don't leave. You left the last podcast. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave. But Why is that too much information? Too much information. It's not, it's, no, come on now. Come on. It's perfectly reasonable. 
I mean, you know, it happens, Dan. I don't think people should have to be embarrassed to um, share that. Absolutely not. Now, how did this, how did you guys work to get? a lady of all things. That's one of the types of teledoc scenarios that I would imagine could be problematic. So how did you go? So imagine having to take your pants off. Yes. Show your butthole. Yes. On Vine. Oh, I've seen videos. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot I've, of people many, do it, but not in a, in a medical. Yeah, a lot of guys have paid for this, by the way. And not, it wasn't a doctor. That's what I said. I was like, this is not like, I don't usually lead with this. Yeah, you're like a cam girl. <laughs> it was insane. Um, but. Yeah, he paid you $200 for that as opposed to you having to, you know. He did. He Venmo, he Venmoed me after the. Um, <laughs> yes. Daniel Venmoed yeah. Well, what, look. what I was going to say is that it was, I mean, he was amazing. Like, I thought it was just yes. going to be like a complete disaster. Yeah. And he was so professional yeah. and just like neutralized the humiliation. He's a man? Okay. I mean, there's women doctors now, you know, Perio. Yeah, you I know. Had to a guy if you were, if, whether you, you were going a guy, guy, do you have a male gynecologist as well? No, my gynecologist is female, but she's a lesbian. Yeah. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah, but even a lesbian woman's not anywhere nearly as sexually threatening as a straight man as a general matter. I that don't is, think. That, I, could, I could be wrong. I think it depends on the lesbian and it depends on the straight man. Yeah, sure. On average, uh, yeah. I think on average, you know, the... Although I have, um, I would, I always refuse to go to a straight male gyno. I thought it was like totally fucking creepy. Well, I think, yeah. I think, yes, I think that... Uh, Although if I were a lesbian... You had, the, you had no choice, but now we have plenty of female doctors. Also, there's gay doctors too, but, but we have plenty of women doctors and uh, you don't have to be... Uh, Forced to go to a male doctor, a gynecologist anymore. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think Perriel was under the impression that she were being that she was being forced. No, but I'm just saying, in my mother's generation, you had no choice. That's who was doc, you know. The, oh, the, oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, no, you had male, that was it. You know, right? Uh, Women didn't become doctors for the most part. So you know, whoever you went to was likely to be a man. It, it, it is. I mean, I have found yeah. I don't like going to male doctors for that sort of. Generally, in this case, I didn't have a choice because we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and um, you know, I was sort of freaking out. And this is what. But he was, um, you know, he was great. Yeah. This gorgeous girl that used to be a waitress at the comic strip. I remember her telling me that she 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 had no money and she went to like a clinic. And for her gynecology exam, it was like, a, and it was a guy. Yeah. And I just, I just remember thinking that guy must have been thinking, oh boy, I tell you, I've uh, <laughs> put my time in, and now the reaper. No, I am reaping the rewards, baby. <laughs> just, just wait. She's like a young, hot, modelly looking yeah, well, girl, and I just, I, I can't imagine that gynecologists. I know they've seen, they see it every day, and most of what they see is probably not that pleasant. But it's hard for me to imagine that they could completely put their sexuality aside when some... They don't complete... Well, perhaps they, do, they but do. Certainly but professionals compartmentalize to the degree that they're not jacking off right after you leave the room. Or maybe some of them are, right? But Periel, were you guys able to... It's really curious what you guys are saying right now. Like, do you really think that like all straight male... Because I always sort of agreed with you guys but it's no, interesting I, i'm not saying i'm saying when, a, when a, if a 20 something you know thin model drop dead gorgeous yeah. sick looking girl walks in gyno exam i'm saying i'm saying scarlett johansson at 25 walks into your office and you're and you're not and you're just like and, and it's nothing to you it's hard to imagine and it just i like, agree Okay, no, no, that's one hundred percent right. But you know what would help you uh, uh, compartmentalize the sexual aspect of it is looking at, you know, myriad seventy-nine-year-old twats. I mean, that, so after a while, you get into it so deep, and it's it's so dark. It's it's, <laughs> uh, it's um, that you know. After a while, I could see some compartmentalization. Anything that you do all day—it's called the law of diminishing returns. Not everybody's sitting around with a fake brick wall with a, with a backward. <laughs> On, jacking off every time they see a 19-year-old broad's ass. Some people, if you're seeing it all day long, it's not that much of a heat. 
But yeah, you're right. But, but you, you see ass and you see vagina all day long. What you don't see all day yes. long. I agree. I agree. Is supermodel ass and vagina necessarily? I understand. No, you're that right. That happens to walk in, which it may, probably won't in the whole in your whole career. It you're probably not won't. But it might happen. But if it does happen, the question is, is can you be? You know, if you're a doctor in Soho, it's going to happen once a day. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it and depends you where you're at. Pretend you just play it straight, though, right? You say, mm, well, it's, it's very you interesting. Play <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's That's right. I, see your, I see your shape down there. Oh, is that is that a bad thing, doctor? No, I'm just saying your shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see your shame. Yeah, back in my day, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, Ferriel, did you feel, did you guys, were you able to sort of uh, reach some conclusion as to, you know, what's like, and he was like, oh, you know, just do this, this, and this. And he didn't feel like, oh, come in in person? Um, yeah, I mean, he was, well, the first thing he said that, because when I, I was obviously mortified, he was like, look, I do this all day long. Right. So, right. you know. Right. And that made me feel like not like I didn't want to kill myself anymore. I totally get it. I focus. I had some guy when I when I couldn't get my wife pregnant. Somebody came in and he wanted to he wanted to cup the piece. And he said, you know, it's it's an odd thing to have a guy drop his hand in your shorts as a as a grown man who's not into that sort of thing. Well, doctors also stick their fingers up your butts, don't they? I've never had that done. I've never had that done. Dan. Well, yeah, you know, I had a colonoscopy years ago. They uh, they put that glove on and yeah, well, colonoscopy is another story. They just put you out, and then by the time you wake up, it's all been done, and you don't know what the hell they did. <laughs> it's, like, it's 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 like being raped at a fraternity house. They might have done. Who knows? You know? Yeah, I mean, maybe they, they, they I was out for however long I was out. Yeah, That's how they maybe, and they were like, well, you know, we're we're all done with the colonoscopy. We still, you know. The, the, you got some time. Wake up for another half hour. What this, now? You got, you got thirty minutes. It won't take us but ten minutes to fuck this guy. Good. <laughs> He'll never find out. We just, just, just. But I'm assuming it was nothing untoward. Well, there are these stories. Um, oh, many, many. I, I wrote about one of these in my first book, which was um, this this OB. Car was carving his initials in the women's torsos. Did you? Yeah, yeah. No, that's not uh, that. That's one of the things that's you know. It's <laughs> well, getting you tougher had that and tougher. <laughs> you had that, that gymnast doctor. Yes, uh, Doctor Nasser. Yes, who was doing whatever he was doing. You know, um, you got to be careful. You know. Yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah, no, that's the and lesson if, we take away. Especially from if you're a female. Especially if you're a. a a gymnast. I mean, these girls are all, uh, you know, young and in very good shape. So I prefer, I prefer um, a tennis player's body to a gymnast body. <laughs> so I would like to be the U I would like to be the USTA uh, the, or whatever the Women's Tennis Association. I'd like to be that doctor, you know, perhaps. But yeah, the gymnasts tend to be they tend to be kind of short and. We are yeah, I don't know that they make that face, but certainly there is a spark plug aspect to the physique. But you wanna, you wanna, you wanna help, you know, care for the women's tennis. Like Anna Kornikova, though that's an older reference. And Martina Hingis. Yeah, and, uh, and as a physician, you think that you could help <laughs> that you would be that much more committed because you find them physically attractive. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd be more committed. I'm saying if I had to be a woman's athletic right. doctor. You would pick what I would, kind of I would, doctor? I would prefer the tennis team to the gymnastic team. I would prefer the gymnastic team to the weightlifting or women's rugby squad. Yeah, and you'd prefer them to, you know, senior citizen yoga. But, but, but. Well, if I had to drop a list, you know. But I don't think that's how people decide what kind of doctors they want to be, is how sexually attracted they are to the kind of... Wait a second, Perio, you're saying that all physicians don't go into the medical field by determining whether or not they're attracted to the person that they might be working on and only psychopaths do that? But why, I wonder why, why this guy... Why well, you may not, but this guy, Nasser, I mean, how did he get into women? That's a pretty specific thing. Woman's gymnastic doctor, I, you know. Well, I mean... I don't know how he got into it, but it's, it's chicken or the egg. It's a I mean, valid question. They know when they offered him the post, they probably said, "Look, we got a couple of openings here for you. We got there's a, there's a retirement community in Florida that needs a doctor. There's a women's gymnastic team that needs a doctor. 
Ah, he was thinking, <laughs> be honest, either one. I uh, yes, yeah, I could go either way. Let's either flip way. a coin. <laughs> Luckily, he had a two-headed coin in his pocket. Um, but it's true because obviously this guy was always a sociopath, right? Like he didn't just become always. A always, are you kidding? That is so sinister. Yeah, he started out with tremendous integrity, but he just could never. I mean, yeah, you know. Um, he should have chosen, you know, he wouldn't be in jail had he chosen the, 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 the women's Mahjong uh, uh, varsity team. The Mahjong team. team. <laughs> the women's Mahjong team. The, the Mahjong, you know, that's what he should have gone with. Well, but what people should do and what they do do is... Of course. Well, we all, you know, and, 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 and therein uh, lies the uh, difficulty. But um, so, so you're, you're looking, so where, where's your next move? You're in Jersey in this one bedroom rental and now you're looking to get a place in New York? Yeah, well, I'm in a rental because uh, I had to move out of my place. I had to move out of my house. We were supposed to close, you know, on Friday and there was some plumbing thing. Long story short, we're supposed to close this week, in which case you got to be out. And then, um, where's your wife going? Oh, um, I I will likely buy her a, a, a small house. As sad as that sounds, um, but I need to be in proximity. So I would like to be in the Westville. I'd like to be thirty five minutes from my son, and then my son will you know be with me a couple of days a week, and then spend the rest of the week with her, and then I'll be able to come out from the city two days a week. So I get to see him you four see days in a week. House now? Where is that Emerson now? Emerson Allen David off is sleeping. He's taking a nap. The boy is taking a nap. I mean, no, no, I'm sorry. What's oh. that, Perry? I said at eight o'clock at night. He's. I'm sorry. It's not a nap. No, no, no. I was thinking about earlier trying to put him down. Um, no, no. He's he's sleeping. So what's half an hour from the city? Because I'm thinking in the other direction. Yeah. My husband is trying to get out of Manhattan now. Yes. Um, well, in this case, a half hour is, is Montclair, Verona, West Orange. Um, it's closer to downtown than Ardsley. It's a little bit closer to downtown um, than Lower Westchester. If you were on the Upper West Side, um, hopping on the West Side Highway and getting to Gnomes would probably be quicker than getting to my house. But it's pretty equidistant. You know, I'm as close as you can get to Manhattan, to Lower Manhattan, and still be in an environment with trees. You can go... In West Orange, where I was, you can go three minutes from my house and be in an urban environment, or you can go three minutes the other direction. It, it's really the line. It's the dividing line. The hell's Dan doing? Sorry. Um, He's looking up pictures of gymnasts. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, I tell you that Emerson is cute. I do enjoy your wife. Never uh, She posts a lot on Instagram. There's a lot of posts. And the kid yeah. is living such a lot. We talk about this a lot, but that kid... That kid's so dumb, he thinks it's going to continue like this. <laughs> Every day is, is, is nature walks with mommy and wheelbarrow rides and breastfeeding and snack time and nap time. There's a lot of nap time and, and snack time. And I'm thinking, time, oh, my God, would I, would I enjoy that lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not just that he's, look, let's face it, we're in lockdown. I'm doing a lot of snacking and napping too, but with yeah. the knowledge of my own mortality. Which which, yeah. which 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 Emerson does not have. He doesn't have it. That's yeah. that's that's the name of the game. He's got a slave girl, a blonde, skinny Canadian slave woman, yes. that that wipe literally wipes his ass for. Him. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He is no, that's correct. Living, you know, quite honestly. But um, it'll be interesting. I don't have my own kids, but I'll be. Uh, but I'm. I'm. In, it's interesting to watch. You know, Emerson uh, to see what happens there. Look at uh, we'll see what happens with that kid. It could be interesting. I mean, with Dove David, yeah, this was them. This this was happen. a yoga. She was trying to teach him to do. Oh, forget it. You can't see on here. My bad. Um, I, listen. You know, I, I this thing is not coming to an end. What what we're realizing, you know, two months ago, you heard, uh, you know, March fifteenth, and then okay, May first, and then May. This is how life looks already. Um, as things open up, you'll be able to walk into a restaurant, but the wait 
waitress will have a mask or the waiter, and then there'll be plexiglass between you and the cashier or you and the booth, and there'll be 50% capacity. And what does that mean economically? The systemic effects are substantial because in a place like New York, you have 10, 15% margins in the restaurant business. You couldn't survive with 50% capacity, let alone 25% capacity. So the landscape of retail in New York City is already altered. You have storefronts that are vacant all over Soho and the West Village. That was never the case before. Um, New York City is changing, and it will be repriced. You well, know, I will hold out, as I always do, as is my nature, and perhaps I have no choice, because the only way I can live is to always hold out hope for a miracle. And who knows what treatments are coming down the pike, and who knows... I'm not saying there won't be a vaccine. I'm saying urban lands... There will be a vaccine. The question is when. And I'm hopeful that something, hopefully by in a few months, they might have, they might discover, you know, hey, we got this drug that helps treat it and, you know, makes everything that much better. And and who knows? We don't know. So Nobody's arguing that New York isn't going to be here long after we're dead. We're just saying that aspects of it are changing. You know, with me when I go. What'd you say? I'm taking New York with me when I go. Hey, of course. I can't enjoy a bagel uh, on 2nd Avenue. Nobody can. These centralized office districts, if we no longer need to occupy them and be in physical proximity to them to the same degree that we do now, that means the nature of urban landscapes can start to shift. And maybe New York will get repriced, things will come down, and it will return to more creatives and artists like it was in the 70s. Yeah, I was just going to say that, is that what has as a lifelong born and bred and raised New Yorker, you know, the city has lost in the past 10, yeah. 12, 15 yeah. years. Everything's a bank and a Dwayne Reed, and all of the amazing yeah. little stores have been priced out. Listen, and, and that's, what, that's why I, I'm, you know, uh, not as a finance, as a finance person, I, I, am, I don't think that we're returning to 2016 for a long, long time. But as a, as a person who loves the city, for me, the city represented a kind of dynamism and curiosity and intellect. Like I came from a junkyard in Jersey in an environment where when I was hanging on these villages from the time I was 13 years old, and that was, that was the promised land in terms yeah. of, yes, you know, yes. And yes. so now it's become like when I walk around the Upper East Side, like I feel like I may as well be in a, it's like Connecticut, but urban. It's like, it's not, the, yeah, the New York City is the bank and it's an apartment land. building. Yeah, no, you're right. New York City is the promised land. It was for me, you know. Yeah, and, it was for me too. I grew up in Queens. Yes, exactly. No, exactly. And so it starts to lose that thing, you know, and, and it's like, um, but hopefully what will happen is um, things will start to reprice. And then interesting, as opposed to corporate mall-oriented retail, you'll have a return to what yeah. used to be these interesting kind of people and shops and environments that then started to populate Bushwick. The nature of gentrification yes. is that right. people get pushed out from the center. Yeah. Dan, anyway, you say what? I say that could be, you know, uh, that's a, that's a deft analysis. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. Dove may be overestimating the extent to which um, working from home takes over and replaces um, office space. I'm not. Listen, I'm saying all it, if 20% of it is replaced, if you run a business, let's say you make those stupid hats on your head. And 20% of your operating expenditure, you don't need to bank, be a banker to figure this out, is it's spent. Oh, is that a Ruba Ray hat? Yes, oh, it's my only baseball hat. I don't wear baseball hats, you understand. Ruba Ray gave me this baseball hat. Well, when you play for a Ruba Ray's home team, you, you wear it with pride, of course. It's okay. not about baseball. With pride, but I don't normally wear baseball hats. I find them fraternity-like and they're not my scene. But with the hair situation such as it is in a pandemic. Of course. Of course. Then I, do wear, I, have to, I have no choice, but, but normally I don't wear baseball. By all means. Nonetheless, when you have a teledoc appointments, and, and the head of J.P. Morgan said that you could never have provided proof of concept. There was too much liability involved to determine whether or not people could work from, from home in an 80,000-person banking institution. They can pull it off, which means you are no longer going to pay $5 million in leasing expenses as a company, if you could cut that in half. And so you would, 
the proximity. Well, that sounds the to me like, becomes less important. It seems to me What's like that? what you're talking about is a is a very a um, a, 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 um, a technology, i.e., Zoom and these sorts of technologies that could be very far-reaching, but ultimately will be favorable to the economy with people spending less money on uh, on office space. But it won't be favorable. It, it, will, it won't be economically favorable to urban centers. I agree. There will be a rebalancing. That's why I said repricing. I'm not saying like there's the internet a loss for America. The internet killed a lot of industries, but overall, it rendered things more efficient. We're having two different conversations. You're so talking about the arc. I'm, the, you're, you're giving me the bad news. I'm giving you the long-term good news. No, I don't see it as bad news. It's bad news if you're a landlord in New York City. It's good news if you just love dynamic, curi intellectually curious, artistic environments. Anyway, let's, uh, let's keep uh, the people wanting more. That's what my mom is. You're 100% right. We've, and, we, uh, we've, we've beat this into the ground. You're right. We've made our points adequately. Dove, um, hopefully see you sooner rather than later, but who knows? Monday. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll come out there and we'll social distance. Yeah, no, no, let's, uh, let's do that. You're welcome to come here, uh, but I'm in the city. I'll be in the city at the end of the week and certainly uh, this weekend. Let's, let's well, plan on meeting up this weekend. Drink. And You did that, right? You did a I did that with Sandy Marks the other night, yeah. We had a, uh, we had a, social, we had a six foot apart drink. It was rather pleasant. Um, yeah. So uh, podcast at ComedyCellar.com for comments, suggestions, critiques, uh, at Dove David off on all the social media. Yeah, yeah. Find out what's going on with the road dog. Less yeah. of a road dog than he used to be. Yes, that's situation. right. Yeah. Uh, on my knees, Periel Asherbrand, Amazon.com, and all your booksellers will have it in stock. And yes, I guess yes. we'll see you next time. We have a, we're going to discuss Periel's book. So that should be very interesting. We'll do that on the episode. Thank you, everybody. Wait, yeah. and we're going to start doing these every Monday. Okay, so we'll all right. We'll air them on Tuesday. Well, every Monday, bonus episode. We'll see you At next time. Live from the table. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.